Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Julie Jacobson of Spay, Tennessee. But on today's show, we're going to focus on a program called the Community Cat Grant that Julie runs for the Community Cats podcast, working together with me. And it's been a while since Julie and I have chatted. She was my second episode, if you can believe it. So she's episode number two, and she's also episode number 92. If you're interested in hearing our previous episodes, you can go to the communitycatspodcast.com and just put Jake. Jacobson or number two or number 92 in the search bar and you'll come up with those shows and you can check out the work she does with Bay, Tennessee and some of her experiences over the years. On today's show, we are going to talk about the Community Cats Grants Program. So, Julie, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Hey, thanks for having me again. Well, and especially I'd like to thank you so much for helping me out with this program. It's been tremendously rewarding, but it's also a lot of work, and I'm so glad that you have joined up and really been the main administrator of the program, so I'd like to thank you so much for that. Well, you're welcome. There's almost nothing I won't do to get more spay-neuter happening. (laughs) (laughs) So for the folks that aren't aware of the Community Cats Grants Program and haven't checked out our website page, maybe just give us a short summary of what the program's all about. People can apply for a matching grant, and they have a time frame to raise some money. It's usually about a three-month fundraising period, and if they can raise $1,000, then the Community Cats program will match that $1,000. If they can't raise $1,000, they will match less. But so far, every all 76 groups have been able to raise at least $1,000 in their program. It's after approval that then the three-month window starts. So the groups are usually pretty small in size. We ideally look for groups that have annual revenues of $100,000 or less. Correct. And they should have a TNR program in place. And what does that mean? What does it mean when you say a TNR program in place? Is it something that's documented on the website? Is it something from getting permission from your board of directors? Can you clarify that a little bit? Yeah, they should be working with community cats already and not looking just to start a program. The money that's raised and what is matched should be spent on spay-neuter for community cats. So we expect the groups to have an active program where they are already dealing with the community cat issue in their community and that it is a part of their effort. And, yes, we would like to see something on their website that says that they have that program active and that there's a way for the public to communicate and contact them for assistance with community cats. So, yes, We are looking for groups that are helping community cats already. I know in some organizations there are sometimes confusions over who is your contact person, who is applying. We've run into a couple of situations where there have been organizations that have actually submitted multiple applications from different people. Um, What's the process that you go through to ensure that we have one contact person and that that the board of directors is really supportive of this application? 
A lot of that comes out in some of our dialogue during the grant review process. But yeah, when we get multiple applications from the same organization, it's it's usually not a good sign. <laughs> and it's some pretty good general grant advice. Anytime you're writing a grant, the board should know about which volunteer is applying for which grant so that you do not have multiple applications coming in. And it's especially disconcerting when the applications from the same organizations have different answers to the questions. It really shows a lack of communication, so that's, that's not a good sign. So I would highly recommend that anytime you have volunteers or anybody helping you with grant writing, a board member should be reviewing that application prior to it going out. And especially if you're going to use somebody's name as the contact person, make sure that the person that, whose name you're using is aware that you've submitted a grant. Because like I said, it does not look good for an organization when there's such a clear lack of communication and the right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing. At this point in time, we have to also stress that the organizations must be a 501c3 that is in the United States. So unfortunately, the program cannot provide matching grants outside of the United States. Correct. And then we do look for folks on GuideStar, which is the big database online where all nonprofits, once they're approved by the IRS, a GuideStar establishes a profile for that organization. And it's really helpful if the organization goes in and completes that profile by adding things like their mission statement and what programs they have and what it is they're trying to address in their community. So I would encourage everybody, too, to make sure that their GuideStar profile is current and complete. Stage can go to guidestar.org and look up the organization to see what the listing says. And and then you have to develop a login and that kind of thing and and work on editing that profile. Right. Once you get it updated, it's, it's pretty easy to work with or once you get started. So some of the questions we've also been getting recently about the Community Cats Grants Program with regards to the matching grant money as well as the money that the group raises, what sort of uses are appropriate for those funds? Bay neuter of community cats. That's really what we're looking to do. A lot of groups are involved in some adoption and rescue, but we kind of expect that those programs are self-sustaining, and our goal is to reduce the need for adoptions and rescues, uh, that there would be less of an overflow of homeless cats in your community by focusing on spay-neuter and prevention of homelessness. So, yeah, we expect the funds to all be used for spay-neuter of community cats. Right. And so we're not about assisting, even though it's very valuable that, you know, say Kitty gets a broken leg or something like that. There are other resources or other organizations can that might be willing to support situation like that. But we are focused on helping fund Fay neuter. Correct. Saving lives through prevention. That sounds good. So another question that the groups tend to get a bit hung up on because we're talking about fundraising. We're talking about creating a new fundraising event. One of the reasons around that is so that groups will feel empowered and be able to continue their fundraising efforts going forward, thus raising more money to assist with community cat spay-neuter in their area. 
but they sometimes get a little bit confused about what is a new fundraising effort or what is a new fundraising event. So maybe share some examples as you advise groups on on what that might be. There's a lot of different things. A lot of people get concerned. They think that when you're having a new event, it has to be a giant fur ball with a five-piece orchestra and a sit-down dinner for 200 people. No, we don't mean that. We mean something that you haven't tried before that is intended to raise funds for your community cat program. Uh, It can be as simple as an online social media campaign, especially if it's something you haven't done before. It can be some t-shirt sales or some swag stuff. People go to local festivals and maybe set up a booth. Um, Again, these are all things they haven't tried before. Maybe they've been intimidated, just haven't had the nerve. But what all the groups come back with is, oh my God, we are so surprised that we were able to raise this money. We've just never tried before because you don't get money if you don't ask. A lot of groups have luck with a local restaurant or something that they're able to partner with and they can have an evening where they might get a portion of the proceeds and then they're able to have a table and pass out literature, maybe have a silent auction, have some door prizes. But one of the common success stories that people say is just having their name and face out there and handing out literature has really helped their outreach program, not in just promoting what they do, but finding other supporters and donors and especially volunteers, people who are willing to come in and have help. And a lot of these events that folks have done are very successful and they do become recurring events. And a lot of things they decide, well, we're going to do this dinner at this restaurant. We're going to do this every year. Uh, Maybe it's a bingo night. Uh, Some areas are very successful with karaoke and yet they create an annual event. We really like that. That will give their program some longevity. When they make a lot of money, you do it every year, you tend to make more. And some groups have done things like created a donation can program. Somebody had a trap that they were filling it up like a a donation jar. They had a true catch trap opened up. And then that was set up on their table. It really helped generate a lot of discussion. You know, what is this trap for? But yeah, that was their donation jar at an event. So Julie, can you tell us, are there any other kinds of fundraising efforts that groups have done that really have come to mind as being great successes? Just trying to write an appeal letter has worked it for some people and having board members contact some of the previous donors. Um, just there's nothing like personal contact between your board and some of your donors and sponsors. They do like to hear from you. So letters, some groups have sold some note cards. And actually, one of the more successful efforts that's been working around the country is kitten yoga. Uh, if hmm. you've heard about goat yoga, uh, groups uh, will try kitten yoga where they have some cats and kittens that are beta neutered and available for adoption. Uh, And again, if your program doesn't provide those, other groups partner with another group that does have some cats for adoption. You find a friendly yoga instructor in a friendly location and you do kitten yoga. Adoptions happen again and it's this good outreach and we've written up all the success stories for how to make that program work and some of the lessons learned from groups that have done it. Yeah, don't do kitten yoga in a venue that's also hosting a salsa dancing class next door because mm-hmm. it makes the cats very nervous. That's been a good one across the country. So I just wanted to talk a bit about the process and how this all works because we get applications in. There's an online application that you fill out. And then if your application gets approved, you get put together in a group with other organizations and you meet as a group via a conference call with you over that three-month period. How does that tend to work out? 
that works out well because we start sharing ideas, you know, what has worked in other places, and then groups kind of toss out what it is they want to do, and there's a lot of good dialogue that happens, sharing ideas and communicating and trying to help avoid pitfalls in their planning process. But yeah, so we have those monthly calls and just support each other, really, and again, sharing ideas so then people have more ideas. And if your fundraising is going really slow, you can try more than one thing if you don't think you can raise a thousand dollars at one restaurant event say you know go ahead and try to schedule two or do a restaurant event and some online t-shirt sales you can do more than one thing or during that fundraising period if that's what it's going to take to raise the thousand so it's nice because some of these groups get to share information with each other get to know each other so even though they might not be an organization in their same state they're able to connect with folks actually all around the country which is a nice thing to have happen coming out of this program. And then we've also had quite a few successful groups go through the program a second time. Is that okay for folks to do to reapply? Um, it is. Of course, we keep track of who's successfully completed, and you have to have gone through the program and met both reporting requirements. We want to report from you after the fundraising period about your fundraising effort and how much money was raised, you know, some lessons learned. And then later, we want a second report that gives us the number of cats that were fixed with the funds raised and the match. And so we have deadlines for those reports. And so once you've met both sets of reporting requirements, then you are eligible eligible to reapply. And you reapply with a different new fundraising effort. It's not the same one that you did the first time around. Correct. It has to be another new idea or ideas. Like I said, it can be more than one thing if needed. One other uh, question we sometimes get is a definition of what a live release rate is. Right. Well, that really applies only to organizations that also have an adoption or foster rescue program because live release rate is based on your intake number you know, minus your euthanasia rate. And so your live release rate, how many animals leave your facility alive? There's no right or wrong answer. We're just looking for what the truth is. It, it does not relate to how many cats you TNR and release back alive. This is only for adoption programs, and it's your live release rate of what percent of the animals that come into your facility leave alive. The more rational definition of no-kill says it's 90% or higher is the sane definition of no-kill. Again, there is no right or wrong answer in this application. We're just looking for what it is. How many groups have actually participated in the Community Cats Grants program? Well, 76 groups have successfully gone through the program, and they have raised over $116,000 altogether, and then so far they fixed 4,159 cats. It's adding up, Julie. Those numbers are adding up. Well, it is, and yeah, there's two rounds of participants. So I don't have their spay-neuter numbers yet, and one group right. we don't have the fundraising yet. It's, it's climate. It is. We're proud to be an affiliate of Space Kitty Express, makers of handmade, refillable catnip alternative cat toys. Think valerian, silver vine, honeysuckle, etc. for the discerning cat who wants to try something new or doesn't respond to catnip. You can even get 10% off your purchase at Space Kitty Express by using the code COMMUNITYCATS at checkout. Help your kitty blast off today with some new toys from www.spacekittyexpress.com. 
Did you miss the 2018 online CAT conference that we held in January? Or would you like to share some of the conference webinars with friends? You can now purchase the presentations and share them with colleagues and friends. Just visit our recordings page, which is under the resources tab, to access webinars from some of the leading personalities in feline welfare today. They're sure to give you and your cat-loving friends great ideas on ways to help even more cats. Check it out at www.communitycatspodcast.com. So, Julie, what in your mind would be the ideal group to fill out an application with us? Well, any small group, again, with a budget of under 100000 and there's lots of us that are under 50000 some are even under 30000 A small group, probably all volunteers, no paid staff. It's very likely they don't have a facility. They're just out there feeling alone and afraid about <laughs> working the community cat problem by themselves, feeling overwhelmed most of the time. But again, the application shouldn't be whiny. Just tell us about your program and what you do. And then part of the benefit of participating is you do get to talk to other groups and you realize, oh my gosh, across the country, other people have the same problems I do. There's a difference between some of the city issues and some of the rural issues, but there's so much relief in in many cases just from finding out you're not the only person feeling like you're doing this with little to no local support, government support, donors, you know, and just how challenging it is. Yeah, sometimes it's it's really hard to raise money for spay-neuter, and it's even harder sometimes to raise money for community cats. But like I said, we give you some tools, ideas, and then you get out there and, and have some success, and it, it just really does help your program take off. Well, so, and yeah, also your confidence, too. I yeah. mean, there were several groups that with that $1,000 match, and once they reached the level of $1,000 on their fundraiser, they would ask a board member or a company or one of their connections to see if they would extend the match to a higher level. And then they would make it, you know, a $2,000 match or a $1,500 match. And so once they also understood that power of being able to market a match out there and understanding that people are willing to donate a little bit more readily when they know that there's another dollar willing to match their donation, I think that also helps with the confidence for these groups to really think about fundraising first and foremost before all of the reactive work that we do on a daily basis, responding to calls and emergencies and that kind of thing. In fact, we can't overemphasize the power of that word match and how it really does help groups raise money. And you're right, a lot of them, even if they don't do it in in this fundraising window, they want to carry it on after their program is done with the Community Cats podcast. Their window is closed. They've raised their money. They might extend it into another time period. And actually what we recommend with a lot of the groups is maybe there's a board member or a good donor that would like to be a secret Santa and over the holidays be able to run some kind of a match as well. That seems to be pretty effective for a lot of the groups. Some of the donors that are typically give to you at the end of year, if you're lucky enough to have those, but or maybe a board member that would be willing to be Secret Santa, could yep. be anonymous or they can be named, but just run another match over the holidays and the end of year giving, which seems to be a good time of year to try to do that. In addition to the work that you've done with the Community Cats Grants, you've also done some outreach with 
regard to general advice and counseling of folks who are scared and intimidated about the grant writing process. You've even done a webinar, which uh, folks can find on the Community Cats podcast webpage. Feel free to look it up. Julie's has done a grant writing webinar. So you have also generously offered your advice to folks. Any tips that you have for the small shop wanting to get into grant writing and they never have done it before? And just don't be afraid. One of the things that we try to do with the Community Cats grant, I mean, it's a pretty simple application. There's some deadlines. We're trying to give you some of the tools that you'll need to be successful in other grant writing. But, yeah, don't listen to a lot of the myths. You do not need a professional grant writer. In fact, it's really helpful a lot of times if you just learn to tell your story. You, you're the one that's familiar with the work that you're doing, and you can learn to tell the story. And I'm happy to help groups learn to tell their story a little bit better. What are you doing and why? And prove that you know your area and you know you know what your problem is and you know what the solution is. There are some other grants available. In fact, we just did a telecon last week with the groups that were interested in participating in doing an overall how to find other community cat grant money out there. And we talked about other foundations. And a lot of that information is on that webinar that you mentioned. And also, in addition to all the stuff that you're doing with helping me, you also run Say Tennessee. So before we close out, I just thought I would touch base and you finished another summer season in Tennessee. We're sort of in early fall at this point in time. Any updates on what you think things are, are doing with community cats in Tennessee? We've been doing a lot of spay-neuter for a lot of years now, and I've been networking across the state for well, almost nine years now. And we have seen a big difference, especially in the dog population. That seems to be where a lot of groups see the biggest impact at first. So now the biggest problem a lot of us have are the community cats. It does seem to be the hardest problem to solve, and that's kind of what's happening across the state. However, there's a lot more people working the problem now, a lot more groups, and we seem to have maybe four or five groups that uh, new spay-neuter programs that start up every year in the state working in their own particular community, and they all Mm -hmm. deal with the community cats. Sounds like some impressive growth. Yeah, it is. And you know, some groups are more effective than others, and some groups do kind of wane. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of interest. People have drunk the Kool-Aid, as we say. They're seeing that, hey, may- maybe we're not going to be able to rescue and adopt our way out of this. Right. <laughs> maybe right, maybe right. we need to do more spay-neuter. That is truly happening. Yeah, I think it's great to see these changes happening all around the country. And you're down towards the south, and so obviously it's uh, great to hear that there's some impacts being felt down in your region? Um, well, there are, because again, one one thing to note, like in Tennessee, fewer than half of our counties have any kind of animal control. And a lot of times when there is animal control or a shelter, they only focus on dogs. So the, again, it makes the cat problem even more critical. And again, we're very happy to have so many people working it here. So if uh, folks are interested in doing, uh, filling out an application, just reaching out to you with regards to any questions, how would they do that? For Community Cats stuff, that well, they can look at the application on your website, communitycatspodcast.com, and they can also email me at grants at communitycatspodcast.com. And for folks, if you go onto the website, you just click on the resources tab, there's a webinar archive there, which has Julie's webinar, and then there's a community 
Community Cats Grants link so you can get all the information you need right there in addition to our conference recordings and downloads. That's for our 2018 conference that we had, our online conference. And we also will have information up about our 2019 online cat conference, which will be the end of January 2019. So be on the lookout for that. Julie, any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners before we close out today? Just big shout out to any small group that maybe thinks that they can't apply or that they'll never get approved. Just don't be defeatist. Uh, you can do it. We promise. Uh, we're here to help. And we know that it, it is hard to raise money, but trust me, you, we will work with you to help you succeed in this effort and, and continue on. And it is nice to see so many groups reapplying, too, after they've successfully completed. Julie, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and we'll definitely have you on in the future to update us on how the Community Cats Grants program is going. And thanks again for all the work that you do to help with the grant program, as well as all that you do down in Tennessee. Well, thanks, Stacy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 